0: Purchase necessary. Void where by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, dummies. Yes, I called you dummies. Please don't leave. There is a reason why, and it's nothing malicious or sinister. I will go into why. This is episode 245. My name is Matthew Spear. I am the host and owner-creator of Don't Unfriend Me, a fun little experiment that turned into something pretty large overnight. Thank you for staying and always tuning in. We have a bunch of people live right now who are watching, and we will get to all of their questions, and thank you for the dummies for watching live. You can join me 830 Eastern on all channels. Tonight, there is only one clear choice on November 2nd, and this is more of a euphemism for the next three and a half years. There's only one clear choice that we can make. I'm going to go into why you should not vote for the Democratic Party, why you should take a chance on Republicans or independents, anything but the doctrine that is indoctrinating our children brainwashing at a young young age and it's not stopping anytime soon unless we change the people in power stay tuned it'll be a good show tonight i'll be right back recorded from an undisclosed location always honest always direct so, sit back, relax. Don't Unfriend Me starts right now. Well, thank you once again for being here. It's wonderful to have everybody. We have quite a few people on live. Thank you for showing up. Don't Unfriend Me Show, Matthew Spears, my name again. And kicking ass and chewing bubblegum is my game, and I'm all out of gum. Whatever. Folks, you could do me a favor. Please like, share, and subscribe. You can find me all over the internet at at Don't Unfriend Me Show, except on Twitter because they are twatters, and that is The Dumb Show. D U M is how we spell it. And dumb is not an insult. Dummies are not an insult. It simply is an acronym for Don't Unfriend Me. You're the Don't Unfriend Me. We have shirts coming, hats coming. I talked to Bottle Breacher, Navy SEAL, Eli Crane, CEO, and his wife, and I think we're getting a special Bottle Breacher made which is a bottle opener keychain of Don't Unfriend Me. Black tactical, powder black. It's going to look awesome. I'm excited about it. We'll be selling that on the site. Can't wait to get that up and to show you. Please like, share, and subscribe the show. I'm on 830 Eastern or 2030 Eastern for us military folks. And that's usually five days a week. We do a mixture of live and recorded. This is the recorded show, which you will see. But we also have plenty of commentary before and after show. So stick around, and we'll love to chat it up with you. With no further ado, let's get to episode 245. There is only one clear choice on November 2nd. At the age of two years old, my son Ethan entered karate. Taekwondo, to be very specific, I wanted really for him to learn the discipline that comes from that. When he fails or fails to achieve his very, very best, and I failed to achieve my very best, I learned so much as a child, but I didn't really understand how to keep my mind focused and tactical. I always focused on the mundane and really the next level of thinking escaped me. I saw the same subtle signs in my son at a very early age, which is why we started him at 2 years old. I wanted him to generate self-discipline and learn to negotiate with his mindset, to learn distraction-free thinking. It's very difficult at that age. This isn't something new. Parents always want what is best for their children. From ages 1 to 5 are some of the most important for kids to learn coping mechanisms and begin the basics of decision-making and the reality of certain decisions and the overall outcome to their way of life. For example, drawing on the walls, having 3 cups of water before bed or breaking a social or breaking a plate of moms that was on display that was just barely out of reach for the child are all learning lessons. These are paramount for youth. Hence why the shift into other, more sinister applications on influence, and how they can have the opposite degree of change to the norms we find acceptable in a civilized world. Two years old, there are children who are learning that infidels are Satan. They are holding handguns and grenades, learning that dying and killing as many infidels for Allah is not only noble, but required. Nazi youth would be indoctrinated with uniforms and teachings fresh from the teat that Aryan supremacy was not only a birthright but obfuscated primarily by the Jewish people, that obliterating their seed and bloodline of the unclean was the purest form of devotion to God and the Third Reich. Now, of course, these are extreme examples from opposite ends of the spectrum, but nuance is always about the detail. Education is the most paramount investment into our futures that we can possibly make. And if we alienate the parents from the equation, we allow the development of our children to take on a moral compass that possibly is or isn't in the best interest of societal structure. We can use the example of racial inequality and how the Deep South and many policies in the United States subjugated minorities to a lesser status than white people. This went on for 350 years until we slowly began to right the ship with challenging the societal norms, with brave men and women who stood in defiance to water hoses, cannons, dogs, and tear gas. But let's also remember that we navigated through suffrage and women's rights during these times as well, along with LGBTQ rights in the most recent decades. The societal structure is constantly evolving, and this is progress. We can say fervently that we are not quite there, but devolving is not the intended goal for society either, at least until most recently. The rights of parents to have a say on what their children learn is more important than ever, and this argument is never more apparent than in Virginia and its newly adorned title of a blue state, with a Democratic governor and two Democratic senators that Joe Biden won by 10 points, hence... Former Governor Terry McAuliffe was an early and solid favorite to regain the office he vacated in 2017, but if McAuliffe loses Tuesday, the defeat will be measured on the Richter scale. For he does lose, it will be because of an elitist belief McAuliffe blurted out during a debate with Republican rival Glenn Youngkin, quote, I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually take books out and make their own decisions. I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. From earlier in the conversation, all I can say to him is pluck you. Yet during his own term as governor, one Virginia school district pulled copies of To Kill a Mockingbird and Huckleberry Finn out of schools because of the book's use of racial slurs. What McAuliffe was saying was that the knowledge, truths, and beliefs imparted to children in public schools are to be determined by school officials and teachers alone. Parents have no role and should butt out. His dismissal of any parental role in education did more than cause a backlash against McAuliffe. It put on the national agenda an issue that will be engaged and fought long after this Virginia gubernatorial race is over. Former President Barack Obama was not amused at Virginia's reaction to McAuliffe's rejection of any parental role in education. Quote, he says, we don't have time to be wasting on these phony trumped up culture wars. Trump being the operative word, said Obama during a campaign stop for McAuliffe a couple days ago. But to the voters of Virginia who have been moving to Youngkin since McAuliffe made his now famous remark, these are real issues. For what their children are taught, or not taught in the public schools to which parents consign them from age 5 to age 18, are matters of grave concern for those parents. For it will affect the kind of adults and citizens their children will become. Quote, Give me a child until he is seven, and I will show you the man, is a saying attributed to the Jesuits' founder, St. Ignatius of Loyola. These schools are helping shape what children come to believe about the moral, social, and historical issues tearing our country apart. These schools are helping shape the men and women these children will become. Consider, under the landmark Supreme Court rulings in Roe v. Wade and Oberfell v. Hodges, abortion and same-sex marriage have been made constitutional rights. Yet both decisions contradict biblical truth, Catholic doctrine, and natural law. While both decisions today, the law of the land, have parents no right to object if public school teachers instruct their students that these decisions were right or moral and just. Do students and parents have no rights to dissent, both inside and outside the classroom? According to the New York Times 1619 Project, American history began when the first slaves arrived in Virginia, not when the colonies declared independence in 1776 or when the Constitution was ratified. Do parents have no right to objective the tenets of critical race theory that America is shot through with systemic racism, that whites are privileged from birth and blacks oppressed, are taught as truth about the country to which they have given their loyalty and love? For generations, statues of Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson stood on Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. Now that the statues are torn down, both reviled as traitors... Yet until he was 40 years of age, George Washington was a loyal British subject. But when Virginia rose up against the British crown, Washington joined the rebellion. Robert E. Lee was also a loyal U.S. soldier and hero of the Mexican War until his home state, Virginia, seceded. Both men were slave owners. The great difference is Washington was victorious at Yorktown and Lee surrendered at Appomattox, and the winners write the history. President Dwight Eisenhower regarded Lee, whose portrait he hung in the Oval Office, as among the greatest of all Americans. Whose view of Lee should be taught? Eisenhower or Harvard? The question raised by McAuliffe is, who decides? Who in the education of America's children decides what is historically, morally, and societal true? And who is allowed to participate in those decisions? The nation is today divided over whether America is a good and great country or whether it has been irredeemably stained by its sins against the indigenous peoples and slavery. As the Dutch historian Peter Gale said, history is indeed an argument without end. Again, the question who decides which version is taught in the public schools that are paid for with the tax dollars of the parents who send their children there? Middle America's view of the country is more than a little distant from the Ivy Leagues and somewhat closer to Merle Haggard's, when he said, "When your country running down my country, you're walking on the on the fighting side of me." Whatever happens Tuesday, the McAuliffe issue will be on the table in the elections long after twenty twenty-two. The single most important requisite element for any eventual authoritarian government takeover is control of education. And the worst thing that we can do is teach some of history and not all of history. It is a requirement that we have long should have upheld, and we have missed the mark. This is all true. The leftist influences in our college have been open and pervasive, though, for decades. We're now in a fierce battle to prohibit the total takeover of primary and secondary education. A student entering college with strong family and or conservative values from home and even an apolitical as possible behavior, as should be the case, K-12 through education should be well armed to perhaps withstand the leftist indoctrination and the onslaught that they can expect from the majority of their professors. But if we as parents allow unchecked access to our children's sponge like minds for the majority of their waking hours in those first 13 years of education, the battle is largely lost when they begin their tertiary education. Tertiary education, withstanding the enormous peer pressure from college friends who buy in, is of course another huge hurdle to our children. Reaching adulthood without warped and clearly historically erroneous views. This makes it all the more urgent that they reach at least young adult age without being propagandized. Folks, some of us may be ready to throw up our hands and say, I'm tired of fighting you, the leftists. They win. Even those who are not that spineless cannot concede their children, though, before they're even old enough and experienced enough to make prudent life decisions. Yes, America has much to atone for, but that is truly what progress looks like. The self-indulgent writings of people trying to capitalize on American wokeness isn't something new. All levels of government, as well as nonprofits and corporations, now have human resources departments that have adopted critical race theory as their dominant functioning ideology. I worked for three of them, It's become a particularly big problem at the federal level as well. It's why I left corporate America, because the evolution of what companies considered to revolutionize their human component actually restricted thought and counterpoints to ideas from reaching the forefront. This is what is happening in schools that expression of mind is not tolerated, that expressing yourself by pronouns or the clothing you wear or how you celebrate your diversity is more important than self-expression and trial-based experiential learnings. Traditional Marxist ideas were adopted but changed in the 1920s by Italian communist Antonio Gramsci and others and became the project of the Frankfurt School of Critical Theory that new theory focused more on shaping culture, marrying traditional Marxism and Freudian psychology and other societal theories to change the way people think. The goal of postmodernists, who were part of that movement, was to deconstruct the very meaning of things. Those ideas reached a new phase with the writings of Herbert Marcuse, a Columbia University professor in the 1960s and 1970s who advocated for radical activism based on identity politics. But this radicalism burned out because its violence ultimately made it unpopular. The radicals then left the streets and embedded themselves in our schools and universities and learning institutions across America. It has all of the conflict theory separate the world into oppressor versus oppressed classes with zero-sum conflict, no ability to agree or understand one another across those, and then take the postmodern understanding of truth, just politics, by other means, which removes all of the brakes standing up against it. Seeing the world through that lens is what constitutes wokeness. Now this infection is spreading into our K-12 through schools. Do people actually think that one day Nazi Germany just rose to power overnight? No, it was exactly the same way it is happening here, or how communism took over in Hong Kong after 20 years, how Marxist-Leninist practices destroyed Venezuela. It took generations by infecting generations. The same way we have evolving our efficacy in the human rights category and the process, this has taken decades. The same can be said for the degradation of societal norms as well. We have a clear choice come November 2nd. Has this race become a single-issue campaign? In my eyes, yes. The unfettered power of the school boards and unions is a cancer that must be removed from our educational systems. There is time for conversation on curriculum. There is time for open debate. But the shady undertakings and back-alley suppression of parents fighting this blatant indoctrination only resides with one candidate. Glenn Youngkin is the antithesis to the devaluation of society and our capital invested in prosperous momentum into truth. Not his truth or her truth or your truth or my truth. These are constructs that define that everyone deserves their own time on the podium to convey and express their illogical fallacies and convey things that are not fact. This isn't how the world works. It is very similar to the person who says they are sorry and then immediately follows it up with the words but. I'm sorry is a complete sentence. Nothing else is needed after that statement. And if you do, you're simply devaluing the aforementioned. The same goes for the word truth. It doesn't need options and bolt-ons. It is simply what it is, truth. Anything else isn't truth. It's simply the devaluation of facts the longer you go. And this is counteracted with my right to challenge your position based on factual argument and opposition. This isn't a terroristic threat. It isn't violence or hate. This is the order of things and how progress continues. This is how we move past the people who want to take us backwards in our growth. This is the very definition of momentum versus regression there is only one clear choice for Virginia and America. It is not the people who want to tell us why it is the worst, why we should hang our heads in shame and revert back to a time when one race was more significant than the other. Because turning the tables isn't the answer. No amount of revision will ever be enough. The fact is America is a growing nation that has made monumental progress in our country and the world. We have had our black eyes and bruises, and instead of focusing on the scars of the past, let's avoid making new ones. There is only one choice for America, and that is not to do what is easy, but to face what is difficult and defiantly say, not my child, not now, or ever. We are the matriarchs and the patriarchs. The school boards, Terry McAuliffe, and the unions work for us. It is about time we showed them the door and move further into the lane of progress and leave defeatists in the rear view mirror with the rest of the worst parts of America. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for watching. I appreciate it. Remember, we can agree. We can disagree. You can love me. You can hate me. It's all good. Just remember not to unfriend me. If tonight wasn't your favorite show, that's okay. Come back tomorrow for 246. Maybe that will be your particular brand of vodka. You can do me a favor. Also, Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Veterans are committing suicide 22 a day. Post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, anxiety, depression, addiction are all very real in the life of a veteran. Please reach out to them. Have a conversation. Make sure they're okay. If you can't do that, reach out to me, and I will do what I can for you. Maybe I'll make that phone call with you if you need to. Whatever I can. And if that doesn't work, go to don'tunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link. And you'll be connected free of charge. It's 100% free, anonymous, and you don't have to be a veteran to take part. Anyone can take part in helping a veteran save their own life. Folks, I'll be back tomorrow. No, I won't. It's Saturday. I'll be back Monday. Maybe we'll do something for Halloween. Amy will come on back and we can all spend some time together. Remember, stay for the after show. We're going to have a full show after this. And answer all those questions that have been going up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right. God bless. God bless you, and most importantly, God bless our kids, God bless America, and vote Republican.